0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the first episode of the Farscape Rewatch Podcast. I am your host, Can't Wear Hats, and joining me is Red Nightmare 7. Hello. Or Red Nightmare.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I was going to say, like, can we. So can can we, we d- le- we're friends here. We, le- le- we don't have to be formal. It's fine, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, we are
0: going to be rewatching the cult sci fi show Farscape. And to give you a bit of background, Farscape was made in 1999. Um, yeah, <laughs> that was a while ago now, and I'm it proud. was um, it was originally made for Australian television. In fact, in fact, it was mostly filmed in Australia. Really? Yeah, yeah. And it was then brought over to the U.S. and the U.K. and everywhere else. I remember watching it on BBC Two. In fact, when it was being broadcast in the early
1: 2000s, I watched it. I mean, it, it was a Dutch channel. I don't know which one it was. <laughs> Names change a lot around here. But, yeah, just to give you a brief summary of the
0: sort of plot of the show, it stars Ben Browder as John Crichton, who is an astronaut from Earth who gets shot through a wormhole. Hey, spoilers. (laughs) It's in, you know, and he ends up with a ragtag group of uh, aliens trying to survive in a far off corner of the galaxy. That's like the, you know, bare bones explanation of what the show is about. And so we're going to be going through this show episode by episode on a weekly basis and if you're not familiar with the concept of a rewatch podcast the idea is that we will talk about the uh, what happens in the show sort of give a summary of the plot and what happens and it's not required that you watch along you know the idea is that this will be enough information so that you don't have to uh, watch every episode uh, as it uh, as we do them However, I would actually recommend you do because this is a really good show.
1: <laughs> actually, uh, there's there's a lot to praise about the first episode.
0: Yeah, and part of the appeal of the show is its actual visual appeal and the fact that a lot of the aliens and creature work is done really well and it's all puppetry and. Yes. <laughs> Jim Henson. It's actually done by the Jim Henson Creature Shop.
1: Oh yeah. It shows. Oh yeah, it really it does. shows.
0: Well. Okay, so here's a bit of more background information in that this is actually kind of the Jim Henson Creature Shop's idea. This was their, or the Jim Henson Company's, you know, show. They actually wanted to do a show that uh, showcased what they could do in feature films.
1: Nice.
0: Yeah, and at the time, in 1999, they were becoming world-renowned and they wanted to bring that to television. And this is a quote from Brian Henson, who is... uh, you know, Jim Henson's son, and has been you know leading the Jim Henson Company for a while now. And this is from the DVD commentary of the first episode, where he says that the idea sort of initially started as something like Star Wars on a weekly basis. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, so they so, so they weren't aiming too high. So no, just, no, no,
0: no, no. Uh... <laughs> you know, we'll start off quite modestly, and you know, but uh, yeah, that's the feel they were going for, and. I think they they managed to not to give too much away already, but they managed to capture that, but while doing something entirely unique and different themselves. So,
1: mm-hmm.
0: yeah, it's a good one. So I think we better get started.
1: <laughs> yeah. So I think we've both prepared notes. Yeah, I have a
0: few pages of notes. I say pages; they're very small pages.
1: I have I have a few pieces of paper, so you might hear me. <laughs> Rifling you there you go, yes.
0: <laughs> the benefits of being an audio-only podcast. <laughs> but yeah, this is uh, Season 1, Episode 1, Premiere. And actually, before we start, a quick note that there is a bit of an issue with some episodes were aired out of order mm. uh, from their production um, number in the UK and US. So the order in which we will be going through them is roughly the production order... With a few exceptions, and basically what we're doing is, if you go to the Wikipedia page for Farscape and look at list of Farscape episodes, that's the list that we will be using <laughs> to go through in order. Because <laughs> not the one, uh... not the one on the DVD. My DVDs that I have are actually kind of out of order because I think they're based on the UK uh, airing order. So it's <laughs> I'm going to have to jump around a bit, but that's okay. Um, so yeah, the production order makes sense apart from. There's a three-parter, I think, in season two, where if we watched it in production order, you would watch part one, part three, and then part two. Uh, what? <laughs> yeah. Listen, television is a strange business. <laughs> I guess. Okay. Well, but that, but that's just a bit of housekeeping huh. to make sure that you know, you know that if you do want to watch along and watch ahead, then that is the order we will be uh,
1: going through. Yeah, we'll, yeah we'll, be, we'll probably be announcing what episode we'll watch next at the end of each uh, episode.
0: Yeah, absolutely. We will make sure that you know what is coming up next so that nobody gets, uh, nobody gets lost. All right, and speaking of not getting lost, let's get back on, on track. And <laughs> with
1: the character who does get lost.
0: And yeah, kick it off. Like I said, season one, episode one premiere, and it opens with... A picture a scene of a man looking at a space shuttle <laughs> on a beach on the on the front of his car. Yeah, he's sort of got a Hawaiian shirt on and it is it looks like it's sunrise or sunset possibly. <laughs> and suddenly the music for uh, Magnum uh, kicks in. <laughs> <laughs> it is worryingly similar <laughs> at the at first. It's the Hawaiian shirt and car that does it I think. But yeah. we see his face, and it is not Tom Selleck. It is actually Ben Browder. <laughs> and then we cut to inside of what seems to be some kind of space center facility where he's talking to his friend. He's, yeah. he's dressed up in his sort of orange space suit and is going over some documents regarding their their new mission. They're, they're apparently apparently trying to prove a theory that John uh, posited
1: Yeah, the character.
0: Yeah, so we find out that it is, of course, John Crichton, and he is getting ready to go up into a module that he designed to test a theory that is to do with atmospheric acceleration, pulling a spaceship in and using a planet
1: as a slingshot. Yeah, it's basically um, using the gravity of a planet to accelerate a ship and and launch it into space.
0: Yeah, which is something that actually that does actually happen, like gravity slingshot maneuvers are a real thing. They're used mm-hmm. by space uh, probes quite often, and uh, the, I think the difference here is that he's trying to overcome atmospheric friction to get a higher, higher speed out of it.
1: Oh, that's, that's why the specific ship, I see. Yeah, okay.
0: exactly. So he's talking to his friend who is uh, DK, who I think... I, I remember watching the show and I had completely forgotten that DK even exists.
1: Does he does he ever show up again I after this? I don't know. He probably he does, but he doesn't. Didn't feel like a character that would ever show up again. Yeah, but he's played by
0: Murray Bartlett, who is an Australian actor, and you're going to see a lot of Australian actors in this show. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, it was it was filmed almost entirely in Australia, <laughs> and uh, I think John Crichton is one of the few non-Australian actors. Well, Ben Browder is one of the few non-Australian actors in, in this series. Cast.
1: Nice.
0: So yeah, but they're they're talking, and they're, turns out John is understandably quite a little bit nervous about going up into space. Which, but more nervous... he seems more nervous
1: than usual.
0: Yeah, that's that's the way he's portraying it. But then, to make matters even more n- nerve-wracking, enter Crichton's
1: dad. <laughs> oh man, yeah. Can you imagine having to working with your dad? Like, <laughs> I love my dad, but having him there at that point. Uh, lecturing me about going into space? Well, that's the thing. He comes in and he's
0: actually played by... He is actually played by an American. He is played by uh, a man named... Kent Kent,
1: McCord.
0: Yeah, Kent McCord. And the funny thing about uh, Kent McCord's casting is that he was cast a couple of days before they started shooting. (laughs) This is... Again, this is from the DVD commentary. Um, They said that... They were trying to find someone to play Crichton's dad, and they couldn't find anybody. Um, and their executive producer of the series, David Kemper, says, look, look, I know this guy, Kent McCord. If you... if I Let me call him, and I'll see if he's available. And then within 24 hours, he was on a plane to Australia. <laughs> so... Great job. Yeah, which I kind of love. and <laughs> And he turns up as a... Now, Kent McCord has been in a whole bunch of things. He's been on TV for, oh, a very long time. He's been in all kinds of, you know, stuff like Dragnet and uh, a lot of police shows. He's in Sequest DSV. He's actually in Airplane 2, the sequel in film, <laughs> you know, films and so on. But uh, he had, like, a, a quite extensive career, and and he does give off that sort of all-American, you know, uh, astronaut, hero kind of vibe as soon as he walks into the scene.
1: Yeah, he's... Uh, he, he demands a lot of respect as he walks through yeah. the corridors and everything. You can see that like, this is a man that's... He's done some shit.
0: Yeah, Jack Crichton comes in and immediately everyone is sort of, whoa, stand to, <laughs> stand to attention. Doctor. Paper's
1: drop, people start nervously twitching, Gallagher gets turned <laughs> off. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And
0: he's trying to... Reassure his son that you know. No, you got to go up there, and it'll be fine. And <laughs> and then the scene cuts into some scenic stock footage of a space shuttle. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> I hadn't even realized that until now that it was that was totally stock footage.
0: Oh yeah, no. <laughs> Again, like I have, I I've been reading through the. There's a transcript of the um, DVD commentary on FarscapeWorld.com, which is a good resource for sort of. Uh, background information and so on, and this they joke um, the producers about. Yeah, no, we totally shot that. That was that was a real thing. That was a, a space shuttle they specifically, you know, specially put up for us in Australia. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, no, it, it's 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 very obviously stock footage because where
1: else are you going to get a space shuttle? Not, not everybody has one lying around in the backyard. <laughs> Yeah, and that also I... also kind
0: of dates the show a bit now, unfortunately. That mm. <laughs> they're still using a space shuttle. Fair point.
1: And uh, we cut then to space.
0: Well, okay, no, actually, before we cut to space, I want to talk a little bit about the scene that they have as Jack and John Crichton are walking down, you know, to the space mm-hmm. shuttle. There's a scene in the corridor where they're walking down, and and they're talking about, like you said, like. He's Jack Crichton commands a lot of respect, and you know, imagine working with your dad, <laughs> like you said. <laughs> but um, John Crichton actually says, you know, he 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 loves his dad. He's actually quite a big fan of his dad, who was also an astronaut. Went up, as we hear in the dialogue, went up on the shuttle many times. Walked on the moon. So he's mm-hmm. like, no, the line is I. The line from John Crichton is, I love who you are, but it's being son of who you are. That I don't like. That I don't like. Because, yeah, he's got a lot of expectations to live up to. Mm -hmm. But his dad says, you know, I'm proud of you for going up to prove your own theory. I never did that. Everyone down on the ground got to use their brains. (laughs) And I didn't. Just sat in a chair. Yeah. I thought that was actually quite nice because it's like, no, he he doesn't resent his dad for being, you know, an overbearing father and having high expectations. He actually loves his dad, but he still finds it tough to live up to his image.
1: Yeah, and what I also like is that it juxtaposed him and his dad nicely, in, in that he was the typical astronaut. That I mean, I guess they're both all astronauts are scientists in the real world. Yeah, I got the vibe that in this case his dad wasn't so much, but John clearly is. It very clearly puts him as John is a scientist. Yeah,
0: absolutely, and you know he's he's trying to prove his own theory. Like that's you know he's done a whole bunch of science and now is going up to to make sure that it works. <laughs> and then
1: we cut to even more stock footage of a space shuttle launch. <laughs> I mean, you, sometimes you just need to grab stock footage. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. And before we actually go any further, one quick thing is that throughout all of this, uh, you've seen like patches and like space mission things yeah, yeah. and so on. I noticed this too. But uh, it's not NASA. <laughs> it's the IASA. Which is the International Aeronautics and Space Administration, or agency, something like that. It's it's yeah. very much not NASA.
1: Yeah, it's the, it, it's very clearly um, NASA, but the type that doesn't get a suit.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, the interesting thing is that they NASA was apparently very enthusiastic to be involved, but they would have had to have had script approval. Ah, and so as that, coupled with the fact that after this episode they wouldn't really have to approve anything because very few things w- involving the IASA happen at least for a long time so they, so the Fastgate producers thought you know it's fine we don't need to bother with that. <laughs> we'll just
1: put an I instead of an N it'll look the same. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and if you don't pay attention you would actually believe it's NASA.
0: Yeah it's it's a kind of small detail that only comes up I think Is mentioned by name in a much later episode Mm. so john is up in space and we cut we cut from
1: stock footage to an actual cg shot which is which for the time looks surprisingly good i mean you can see the it's a bit dated it's not stuff we see today but it's it holds up oh yeah no well it
0: totally does particularly this shot of the shuttle over the earth um, with John Crichton's little sort of dinky little module inside of it. This is sort of intercut with scenes of Crichton in his module, in his spacesuit, uh, which looks more like a fighter pilot suit than like an actual spacesuit. Mm. <laughs> and with back at, uh, back at ground control, uh, which is said to be Canaveral. So <laughs> this, is, this is, again, very clearly, it's not really NASA.
1: He doesn't say Cape Canaveral. He says Canaveral. Canaveral. <laughs>
0: and uh, of note this is one of the few times you will actually hear the words Farscape said in the series yeah
1: he named the ship Farscape one yep
0: that's where the name of the show comes from <laughs> they said the name <laughs> they said the name <laughs> <laughs> and off John goes into the atmosphere being pulled along by Earth's gravity and of course something goes wrong <laughs> Yep, it, something, goes, something definitely goes wrong, and um, they have the whole kind of techno babble thing of there's some kind of electromagnetic wave heading your way. <laughs>
1: I like that they just keep it at electromagnetic wave. We're not going to think up any stupid words, we'll just use some.
0: Yeah, we'll just use something very vague and general. Generic. Yeah. <laughs> and then, of course, John Crichton's thing gets hit by the electromagnetic wave, and he disappears. And suddenly he's in Stargate. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> he's going...
1: Yeah, like, I saw that animation. It was like this reminds me a lot of, of of the Stargate animation.
0: Yeah, there's he's tumbling through what appears to be like a long tunnel of, again, CG, but it's like a glassy, like water-like texture to the mm-hmm. inside, and again, it actually looks pretty good. And it lo-
1: I I I had to admit, again, this looked pretty good. It looked. Almost narrow, yeah. Closing,
0: uh... It was like an irregular
1: shape. It wasn't just mm-hmm. a a circular tunnel,
0: which, no. I th- which I thought was nice. And he's gone. Where's he gone to? <laughs> Nobody knows. They they get they cut back to Canaveral and they're they're completely baffled. He's disappeared. He's 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 gone. He's gone. He's gone,
1: Jack. He's gone.
0: <laughs> yeah. What they want, What they did was they made sure to put in reaction shots of um. Canaveral after he had disappeared to make sure that people did not get confused and think that the Earth had been destroyed. What's <laughs> <laughs> the thing they were afraid of? Well, I think it's to do with the ed- editing of like he goes through the wormhole and comes out the other side and in that scene we can see lots of bits of rock fl- oh, right. floating around and yeah. he can't make contact with Canaveral so it's possible to misinterpret that scene as Earth having been blown up yeah, by okay. the and electromagnetic waves. That. So they made sure to put in a reaction shot of um, Jack's dad and DK at Canaveral saying, where is he? Where is he? After that whole uh, electromagnetic wave sequence happens. Good touch, actually. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, so it's very clear that he's he been taken somewhere else.
1: And, of course, we get to go to that somewhere else. Because it's <laughs> a very boring show who followed Jack's Jack like, right, his life afterwards. Yeah,
0: just waiting around for him to come back. Drinking coffee.
1: Yeah. Going on awkward dates.
0: But yeah, of course, we are, we are still with uh, John Crichton, who is very confused. Very confused about what is going on. Like, where, who, who, where, what, why? Because he has emerged into what appears to be like an asteroid field. And out of nowhere, some spaceships start zooming around. Like little tiny ones that are.
1: It looks. They look really pointy. Yeah, they look very, very pointy and aggressive, and and uh, as he's freaking out, one of the ships narrowly hits him, clips the wing, goes careening <laughs> off into an asteroid. It's like, oh wow, I wonder if this will be important later.
0: <laughs> and that is where the titles finally hit. <laughs> <laughs> After about this has been about seven or so minutes of the show. Then we get the titles, we get the, int- we get the opening titles, which, if you've seen the show before, you will know, you may remember as having a voiceover over them where Crichton explains what's been going on. Right, yeah. Except this episode, there isn't one.
1: Because, because that would be giving away too much.
0: Exactly, because all of the things that Crichton explains in the voiceover in the subsequent episodes basically are all set up by this one. So if mm-hmm. you, So that would be spoiling it. To have that voiceover at the beginning.
1: Yeah, th- this is very much a setup episode. Yeah,
0: so we get the we get the titles and there's a lot of sort of chanting and singing and very eerie sort of sounds, mm-hmm. um, which is mirrored when we cut back and Crichton is still floating through space. And then, oh no, what's this? A gigantic <laughs> ship appears. Oh, <laughs> I wonder if that endos, ends up being relevant. <laughs> And yeah John gets pulled he gets pulled in towards the ship again this is this is very sort of early on in the show this is still in like the first ten minutes, and we're already sort of we've already ditched earth, everything has been left behind, and we're in another part of the galaxy being you know shown all this alien imagery it just the show doesn't mess around
1: no I like that it's straight like okay, this is the setup here he comes from okay, that's all boring let's go. <laughs>
0: Well, what, I, I appreciate that they did that while still providing enough background information in mm-hmm. the first few minutes. Yeah, they, they packed that nice and tight. Yeah, it's very neat. And like, you know, this is what you need to know. He's an you know, sp- uh, astronaut, scientist, and he's got this relationship with his dad and he's going to go prove this thing. And then, boom, aliens <laughs> and spaceships and all that stuff.
1: <laughs> it's like, all right, we got that out of the way? Okay, let's go. Let's go. <laughs> Come on, losers! We're gonna do some sci-fi.
0: <laughs> yep. And now he's been pulled in
1: and has been taken aboard the ship. And uh, he finds, uh, as uh, as the ship lands, and uh, something something's on something's on the wing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah, it's a little two little eye stalks pop up, and he gets very confused, and then has to uh, <laughs> has to eject the canopy. Because his module starts catching on fire, which sends the little robot <laughs> flying. That's <laughs> like <laughs> <laughs> as,
1: as the canopy pops up, you hear a sort of whine, a scared whine as the thing flies through the air. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> it's actually
0: yeah, it's a very nice little detail.
1: Oh, that robot! Is, and those robots are so cute. They are. They're so cute. They are adorable. Oh god, I'm so glad they keep popping up.
0: I mean, they're they're integral to the running of the ship. Is the is the mm-hmm. idea? Yeah. But yeah, John gets out of the module in the hangar bay and is even more conf- like John Crichton's default expression in this first episode is confusion. <laughs> exactly. Which
1: is fair enough. I mean, I to be fair, I'm I, I always hope that when astronauts make first first contact in real life, that they geek out more because they probably all watch science fiction. <laughs> yeah, like. Come on, you've probably seen like at least three shows that pick this, John. You should be able to go with the punches. Yeah,
0: speaking of all that, he's now, he's made his way somehow to the bridge, what appears to be the bridge. I think he's been led along by the little robots.
1: Yeah, he's actually taken hostage by those things, it's like, the a little gun that blasts him, is just poking him in his, in his ankle like, keep moving, <laughs> keep moving son, keep moving. They're coming with us.
0: Yeah, I like that the, the first shot we see of the bridge and of the crew of this ship is from the back you see them all just trying to trying to escape. It turns, it seems like they're trying to escape the smaller little angry ships that we saw earlier. Mm-hmm. And at first he cannot understand a word they say. It's all kind of garbled and you
1: know I love that fact. It's like, t- like no, no. He doesn't speak alien, are no, you nuts? Yeah, they don't speak English. <laughs>
0: until uh, one of the robots then injects a thing in his leg which mag- which somehow ma- makes him able to understand what these two aliens are saying
1: i like that it, i also like that it slowly changes yeah there's there's, there's a moment that you slowly that, that the voice of one of the aliens slowly starts going from complete garble to an actual english sentence yeah because what happens is
0: they both realize that suddenly there's someone else on the bridge and one of them gets really really angry at him for some reason (laughs) picks him up by the throat so yeah a quick description we have I mean we have there's a female alien who is blue and wearing sort of robes and is just bald and there's a a very tall male alien who is got like a big red trench coat on and tentacle hair and there's a whole lot of prosthetics going on here this isn't (laughs) Beak, nose. Yeah, there isn't... This isn't Star Trek with, like, somebody with pointy ears. <laughs> <laughs> no.
1: <laughs> or a or, or wrinkled forehead or something.
0: Yeah, exactly. This is Jim Henson's creature shop going all out. Yeah, and
1: I gotta say, they look They look great. I really like Dargo's. Uh, yeah. Up. And Dargo is...
0: We find out later, but for the sake of convenience.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> we have Dargo and Zahn, and Dargo is the uh, male... One who is very, very angry, and uh, Zahn is the blue lady who is working in control frantically, and
1: John is still very confused. <laughs> I think John basically is just like, okay, I'm just gonna. S-, he gets thrown to a corner. He's like, I'm just gonna sit here <laughs> and let these people figure it out because I have no goddamn idea what's going on. Yeah, but throughout this
0: exchange, we find out that they are uh, trying to remove a control collar from the from the spaceship. And Dargo starts ripping out cables in in good old sort of sci-fi tradition of like, these seem important, I'll tear these
1: out from the inside of a... Guess, guess nothing bad will happen if I just start completely demantling this control scheme. And of course it actually works. Yeah, that's, I, I do have to admit that's actually a good joke. Everybody's like, that actually worked. <laughs> it's like the pilot, who who we only see in a holographic view, and uh, and Zana are both actually surprised that worked.
0: <laughs> yep. And so, and it turns out that yeah, the control color has been removed, and they can now actually escape because, again, as we find out through dialogue, that they are actually escaped prisoners. Yeah. And the ship that they are on was a prison ship that was kind of forcibly being controlled and. By releasing the control color, they're able to maneuver the ship and get out of there.
1: Yeah, and they use something called Starburst, which is whatever the plot needs it to be, I feel.
0: It's basically, it's kind of like, uh, it's a sort of hyperdrive or uh, hyperdrive jump that uh, it takes them into some random region of space. Uh, as a sort of it's it's described as a defense mechanism yeah in the show it's it's a way to just get out of there
1: so is... it, it's the get out of get out of shit uh, button <laughs>
0: exactly but yeah and they've jumped away and have escaped the people pursuing them who we actually see a shot of their space fleet sort of chasing after them and there there appear to be some other ships that look like uh looked like the one that Crichton got onto
1: it's like like they were being escorted, uh of those ships like uh Crichton got into, which the ship actually is called Moya, yeah, so we can just i say we just we we'll call it Moya it. right well all right <laughs> yeah. it yeah, it seems like they were being escorted or some uh some such
0: yeah, it was some kind of like prison transport where they're taking mm-hmm. a bunch of prisoners somewhere, uh, but they managed to escape, and now we see a scene on the command deck of one of the Peacekeeper ships is what they are called. And we meet Captain Kreis. Who is human? Yeah, this is the funny thing. These are more actual humans or humanoids. Well, they actually, no, they look identical to humans.
1: Yeah, there's actually no makeup there at all. No. And Um, I'm, I'm actually sad that they show the inside of the ship at this point in the story. Because uh, we'll uh, we'll get to a late a slightly yeah. later scene. I'll I'll pick up. Uh...
0: I I think I see where you're going with this. There is a reveal yeah. later on. That's that, not really reveal. Yeah, it would be a, a, more of an impact if you didn't have the scene. But this scene sets up uh, the main villain for this uh, first series, because Krace, uh It turns out Captain Crace, <laughs> who is in control of this whole fleet. He has a brother who is a pilot of the... Um, they're called Prowlers, the sort of fighter ships that were okay. chasing oh chasing around. How, how's his brother doing? Uh, his brother's dead. <laughs> Remember earlier when one of those ships clipped into Crichton's uh, module and got blown up? Yeah, he was piloting that ship. Yeah. So, Kreis, normally they would not pursue... They would continue to their destination where they were supposed to be going on their mission... As peacekeepers to transport prisoners, but Kreiss decides to take his command ship and chase after Moya
1: because, yeah, because he wants John's head. Basically, pretty much, he's very pissed off. He's very upset. I, I like. I like. Also, like that. He's very restrained with his anger, but it's very clear. Yes, he like has it's that. there. He is mad. He's not shouting. He's not screaming. He's bottling it up. Mm-hmm. But yeah. He's emotionally uh, compromised. It's that regimented, call
0: it. it's that regimented uh, you know, military training.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And quick bit of a fun fact here. So Crace is played by uh, Lani Tupu, and he actually has um, he has a second role. Oh really? Yeah, he's actually the voice of Pilot. Oh. Yeah, this I quite like because he's in every season as Pilot. <laughs> Oh, Regardless wow. of whether or not he's around as Crace, but yeah, I thought that was, I thought it was a neat little. Neat I little had it,
1: Yeah, I had not noticed that. Yeah, you,
0: you would not know from listening because they uh, they sound very very different. He's yeah. got a much higher pitched voice as Pilot and very different mannerisms and mm-hmm. it's actually a really really good job. That's why it's you know when I found that out, yeah, it was the same reaction of like, what? <laughs>
1: it doesn't. It's uh, hallmark of a good actor. Yep. So
0: now we are back with Moya because. We're cutting sort of back and forth between the pursuit and between Moya getting away. And we have an actual, a really nice scene between Zahn and Dargo. It turns out that not only are we meeting the characters for the first time and John is meeting the characters for the first time, they're actually meeting each other for the first time properly. Because uh, they, you know, orchestrated this escape and were working together. And then after that they've escaped, they're like, okay, Hi, I'm, you know, I'm <laughs> like, I'm Dargo, nice to meet
1: you. I, like, I actually like that scene, it's, but it does bring up one interesting question, as in, who actually organized this escape? Because we've seen three aliens at this point. have Zahn, we've seen Dargo, and we've seen Rigel.
0: Yes, uh, Rigel appeared a couple of scenes ago, but he is he's, he's like a little frog-like alien sitting in what appears to be a hovering chair. And is an and is entirely a puppet. And
1: an amazingly dumb puppet.
0: Oh, yeah, we should talk about that because there are two characters in the main cast of the show who are just puppets, and that is Rigel and
1: Pilot. Yes, and, and Pilot is, uh, well, as the name suggests, he's the pilot of the ship, and he lives uh, somewhere in one of the bowels of the ship. Yeah, he's, he's right he's, in, he, in the middle of it. Yeah, he's not you don't we we get a few shots of him that aren't holographic, but he does he doesn't walk around the ship.
0: Yeah. Um and in actual fact he can't walk around the ship. He's kind of confined to that area. Yeah. Um and the funny thing is that Rigel is vaguely humanoid or you know, he has two arms, two eyes, two legs, but he's like a little frog man <laughs> sitting in his floating chair. Pilot is entirely different. He has like he looks more like a crustacean, and he has multiple limbs, and he's actually much bigger than uh, the humans. It's like, like a seven. big couch. Yeah, that kind of size. And it's just a really impressively done puppet from the Jim Henson creature oh. shop. It looks so good.
1: And Rigel, I mean, he has a scene at the end of this episode where he just, he just buzzes off with his eyebrows up, and it's such a good expression. The yeah. expressions on Rigel are amazing.
0: Yeah, you see, here's the thing, is that we talked about how the CG in the um, uh, in the sort of exterior shots has kind of dated a little bit, but still looks pretty okay. The creatures and the puppet work still looks amazing. Yep. Like, I am a big fan of that kind of, that approach, because it doesn't date nearly as badly as CG.
1: It's, oh my god, I was actually surprised by how good that was. I'll be completely honest. <laughs> It's like holy shit. Did I just see a puppet do what I think I did? Oh yeah. That's a better that's a that's a better facial expression than most actors can pull off. <laughs> yep.
0: It lets them get away with some very sort of cartoony expressions. Yeah, which looks amazing and is really yeah, it's just really good to watch. So, in this scene between Zahn and Dargo, we find out that uh, Zahn is a Delvian priest that her species is Delvian um, and she's a bit of she was arrested for being an anarchist on her home planet
1: the leader of the anarchist leader of even. the
0: anarchist yeah yeah and dargo is a luxon warrior and he killed a fellow soldier he actually killed his commanding officer and that's why he was imprisoned and there's a neat little detail that it turns out that they were both on the same uh, labor planet at the same time while mm-hmm. they were prisoners but never met each other because they're in completely different sections but there's you know a nice bit of backstory
1: I like I like how it sets up backstory for each character and also gives us a bit of a development for both characters as as they meet each other. Yeah. It's like, what? okay, so this 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 is what this character is about, this is what this character is about. Dargor is apparently very young.
0: Yeah, he says he's thirty cycles old, which is equivalent there's there's a lot of sort of equivalent terminology. Kind of like you would see in Battlestar Galactica with, you know, replaced swear words like frack. And the famous one from Farscape is Frell, which serves the same purpose. But there's a mm-hmm. whole bunch of other things like different units of measurement. But the a cycle is basically a year. That's, yes. that's, that's the translation. So he's, he's 30 years old.
1: Which apparently for Luxens is young.
0: Yeah, he's referred to as just a boy by Zahn. Yeah. And he's like, No, I'm not. I've seen two battle <laughs> campaigns. I, I <laughs> I've fought. Zahn is like, Only two? Like, I. There's actually kind of a slightly flirty atmosphere going on here.
1: Yeah, Zan is incredibly flirty. Oh yeah. Okay. Oh, oh. ma'am, 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 you're at a ten. I need (laughs) you at about a four. Exactly. (laughs) Dial it back. Dial it
0: back. And speaking of flirty and sexy times, Crichton is naked in his cell. That's like that's the next love, scene we cut to is Crichton. I love that
1: I love that detail.
0: He's just lying down, waking up saying, Oh god, let this be a dream but no, he's woken up and his clothes have been removed and Rigel is staring at him from the from the door.
1: <laughs> I but I, I thought I find in the missed opportunity here not to have Rigel go with his eyebrows up like, ooh <laughs> yeah. I, I would have loved that. I, I was looking for that shot and it didn't happen.
0: <laughs> so he's like, Where the hell are my clothes? <laughs> <laughs> and R- Rigel just basically ignores him.
1: <laughs> yeah, just he, he finds a little hatch up top where all the stuff is.
0: Yeah, he's going through and trying to get his possessions back. And John John manages to get his clothes back on, and it turns out that they actually stripped him so that they could examine him. And he's actually imprisoned, kind of. He's locked in this cell it's by like... the rest of the crew. <laughs>
1: well, John is rightly disturbed that they examined him. <laughs> And I again, I would have hoped he had been like, with the probe. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like, come on. No, it's such an easy, it's an easy joke. But... I mean, that's probably why they didn't do it. Because yeah, it's okay, such an easy yeah. joke. And... I like easy jokes. <laughs> I'm not
0: the, I'm not a complicated man. <laughs> but yeah, we find out that they've put him in here because they can't. I mean, they can't trust him because he's only just shown up and he, he looks identical to the
1: peacekeepers. He looks like a peacekeeper. He looks identical to the other one in the yeah. show.
0: And that's the thing, and this is what you were talking about before in that this reveal would have been, and I, I agree that it would have been more dramatic if we hadn't seen the Peacekeepers earlier on looking mm-hmm. like humans, because it turns out there's someone else in the cell with him. There was a Prowler that managed to escape, managed to get caught up in the Starburst and taken along with Moya to where they are now.
1: And uh, they capture the pilot.
0: And he turns around and there they are, they're sitting, sitting there in what I like to describe as a PVC stormtrooper uniform.
1: <laughs> a black PVC stormtrooper uniform. Yes. Yeah, it's that kind yes. of,
0: that kind of slightly budget uh, sci-fi show outfit where they're they're dressed in like you know what looks like military gear that is clearly made
1: out of plastic. <laughs> the lucky part is they only need it for like one shot.
0: Yeah, and the pilot takes the helmet off, and oh no, it's it's a woman, and it's a human woman. <laughs> It looks human and that's the thing like you said if we didn't know that peacekeepers looked human that would have been a huge reveal we've been like "Whoa!" What? which is john's reaction but as an audience we've already seen them we already know yeah. that they look human
1: so I, th- I think they could have cut out the the earlier scene
0: i think it's it's necessary to set up his you know uh revenge uh, Crace's, you know motivation but they could have. It could potentially have come at a different point in the episode. It could have done
1: it right after this scene. I feel that would yes, have worked.
0: but as it stands, it's still it's still fine. And we get some backstory to Rigel as well in this scene. He he finally introduces himself as Rigel the Sixteenth Dominar to I think it's something like sixteen or however many billions of people.
1: He's apparently royalty.
0: Yes, he's royalty and was deposed by somebody, and he's trying to his cousin. Uh, no, his brother stole his throne while he was asleep.
1: <laughs> that's that's what happened. That, is, is that literally what he says? Yep. It's a nice callback at the end, then.
0: And they've decided to you know lock up both John and we find out the peacekeeper is called Aaron. She's played, yeah. by, and she is played by Claudia Black, who you may have seen in a bunch of other things she was in Stargate along with Ben Browder, <laughs> seasons uh, nine and ten. She's been done some voice work in the uh, Dragon Age.
1: Games. Yeah, she does the
0: voice of Morgan in that series. But to get back to what's happening, it's time to eat, which <laughs> has a nice sort oh. of. There's that kind of gag you were talking about.
1: I like that first. He's like uh, he, he he's like oh hello, I'm John. Ah, wow. he gets smacked <laughs> against the wall by yeah Aaron. He gets... demands that he gives his uh, rank and uh, yeah all that stuff.
0: In what will become a recurring theme in this series, John is assaulted by somebody wearing leather <laughs> <laughs> and then she gets... and she puts him on the floor, and, like, is standing over... or is, like, kneeling over him, ready to punch him in the face.
1: Exactly. I love that! It's just like, Hi, I'm... i Ow, 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 Ow! Ow, 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 Ow! Ow, pain ow. pain.
0: pain, pain. <laughs> Actually, John has a very good line that reminds me of uh, McCoy from Star Trek, the original series, where he's he's explaining who he is. It's like, I'm a commander, but not any military that you know. It's like, I'm not even, you know, it's like, damn it, I'm a scientist. (laughs) (laughs) Damn it, Jim, I'm a scientist, not a soldier. (laughs) I don't I don't know if it was an intentional reference, but it did yeah, has it, to be. It did remind me of that kind of Well, I mean he just says, Damn it, I'm a scientist, but That's
1: clear enough, I feel. <laughs> in a sci fi show that's a dead ringer.
0: Yeah. And then they are brought along to the canteen because it's time to eat food and figure out what they're doing next. <laughs> but both John and Aaron are now in handcuffs because the rest of the crew of Moya cannot trust them or does not trust them. Because they both are... Well, one of them is a peacekeeper, and one of them looks like a peacekeeper. But uh, they have actually examined him and have determined that, no, he's not a peacekeeper. He has some some kind of small differences uh, in his physiology.
1: Bacteria, I believe they say. Yeah, which... So,
0: John says something about there being a whole bunch of different bacteria inside of
1: his system. Which is interesting, that it's only the bacteria, apparently, that differs, so...
0: As far as we know, so far, yeah. So they're... they're Trying to figure out what's happened. And it turns out that Dargo, in, in ripping out wires randomly, there are repercussions.
1: <laughs> Aww. And, uh, You'd think that'd, be, that'd work without any consequences at all.
0: <laughs> no, it dra- and, it, and uh, it turns out that he actually accidentally drained a bunch of fluid from Moya. Which, they don't really explain what it does, but it's something that Moya needs.
1: It sounds important.
0: Yeah, that's, that's really all they need to know is that it sounds important and we need more of it. And so they have to find somewhere to get that and barter to get some more fluid.
1: Yeah, and there's also a, an exchange between um, Dargo and Rigel in this scene. <laughs> oh, yeah. Where he actually... It's interesting because we find out Rigel apparently bribed the guards for a key and Dargo, um, I think, aided him in that. I get, I'm, the way I'm seeing this scene, I get the idea that the um escape was Dargo and Rigel's idea because uh and Zahn wasn't involved in it because apparently those t- uh, because Dargo and Zahn don't know each other, that's I'm making this up with the information I have.
0: I can see that, yeah. It's, uh what we find out is that there's some tension in this in this group. They're not they don't all yeah. get along. And I, I actually like that that they are all getting to meet each other and figure out, you know, their crew and their roles and who can trust who rather than having somebody try and rather than John being thrown into an existing um crew of a spaceship you know they're all they're all still trying to figure this out
1: we grow with the group as the series evolves Absolutely, we grow yeah. with uh, as 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 we we watch these characters establish connections instead of uh watch Crichton figure out what the connections are <laughs> yep and then healing farts.
0: Yeah. <laughs> this is something else that Farscape has. Is um, It has a sense of humor that is a little bit random at times. It's unique. It's unique, yeah. Let, let,
1: let's just call it that. It's unique humor. <laughs> so no.
0: yeah, Dago is bearing down on Rigel, uh, who's been eating his food, and is gets a little bit nervous, and then there's, there's a sort of high-pitched farting noise, and everybody's voice starts getting higher and higher. <laughs> I love this area he's like
1: What's happening? What's I... happening?
0: <laughs> <laughs> you have John's line of
1: You fart helium
0: <laughs> It's just like it, it comes out of know. it's completely unnecessary but it's just it's just really funny. <laughs> like that he says,
1: You fart helium? <laughs> and then <laughs> Rigel responds with Only oh, when I'm nervous. I <laughs> like that it's a
0: natural bodily function. <laughs> and it's odiless.
1: <laughs>
0: and I, I love Darko's reaction, because it's like, "Sorry, your subjects tell you." There's <laughs> a nice bit of what I guess you would call banter. Yeah, it's
1: it's like, oh wait, these are aliens. Let's not forget that.
0: Let's really hammer that home because he farts helium. <laughs>
1: oh, oh, I love that.
0: So yeah, John and Aaron are, are trying to. Still just trying to eat their food. <laughs> While this then, uh, is happening,
1: and then Eren suddenly, as they leave, Eren suddenly gets thrown to the ground by Dargo.
0: Yeah, because she pocketed a fork in her sort of, in her uh, sleeve, to try and escape. But uh, nope, they're onto her. She gets <laughs>
1: denied. And then actually, they—it's uh, well, a very minor detail. They reuse a shot from earlier in that scene. With her eating casually, being like, I'm not telling anything. Yep. <laughs> I noticed that, it's just, it doesn't mean anything, it's, it, it works fine, it's just I noticed that it was the same shot. I can't not see these things. So they're
0: actually trying to figure out from Aaron um, whether or not there's a peacekeeper presence on this planet that they found, which has a commerce section, or is a commerce planet where they can go and get some fluid. Um, but uh, Aaron doesn't know anything and isn't telling them anything and is just eating her food <laughs> <silently>. <laughs> so they stick Aaron and John back in, back in the cell and this is when John has a bit of dialogue where he's like oh you know I must have come here through a wormhole <laughs> it's like that must be it that's got to be it there's no other explanation
1: <laughs> clever boy clever boy
0: and Aaron is completely uninterested in what he's saying because <laughs> she's, yeah. tra- she's trying to escape He's like, if only I had a fork. And what do you know, John actually s- sequestered a fork in his sleeve because nobody was looking at him because he's been able to convince everyone that he's not really a threat and he's just kind of an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> and then they actually managed to escape. And there's, you know, a bit of dialogue between John and Aaron they there. John's trying to figure out where his loyalty should be because he doesn't know anything about what's going on here. He doesn't know any of these people. Yeah. And there's a line between him and Aaron where he's like, you know, we've got to help them. And it's, you know, they're prisoners. And it's like, but what about compassion? <laughs> he's like, and Aaron is, what is compassion?
1: You know, that fuzzy feeling when you get, when you see somebody else in trouble and you instead of stamping on them, you help them.
0: He's like, oh, yes, I know this feeling. I hate it. Yeah.
1: <laughs> it's like, oh, okay.
0: That, that kind of clues Crichton into, okay, I don't think I want to be aligned with the peacekeepers here. He's like, I'm going to stay... And, yeah, uh, but then um, Aaron is like, "No, that's that's a bad idea. <laughs> Your only chance of survival is to come with me, and I'm gonna call the peacekeeper c- uh, carrier to come and get us."
1: And Crichton, wisely, I think, fearing Aaron <laughs> breaking his arm or something, is like, "Okay, I'll come along."
0: And then we see that yeah, Crichton has received their call and is going to be heading to the Commerce Planet. And meanwhile Dargo and Jean are walking around and Rigel is bartering with this Oh I love that creature. There's a, there's another amazing bit of puppet work from um, from the Jim Henson creature shop, which is this uh, merchant sitting behind like a table full of, you know, wares and so on. There's just this amazingly huge non humanoid thing with like giant mandibles and so much teeth that just moves <laughs> up and down and like has a bit of tss- Dean coming out of
1: it. Like, I, I had to admit, this one was... This one looked a bit dated, but it looks amazing still. It's yeah, like this giant... It's like, you do not want to be, get eaten by that. Nope. It seems like a horrible death.
0: <laughs> and Rigel, Rigel is trying to barter with some of his possessions, like his rings and so on, to get some more fluid. <laughs> this thing sort of growls at him and is very angry. <laughs>
1: And, and Rigel doesn't seem impressed at all. Like, Okay, so <laughs> let's start at 40, 35 then?
0: <laughs> but then Dargo and John get wind of Krace's uh, appearance and have to make plans to escape. So they grab Rigel uh, and start to make their way back to Moya in the shuttle that they came here in. And then we cut back to Aaron and John, who are suddenly apprehended. Krace appears.
1: Well, no, actually, oh, wait, when, no, one right. other thing happens. They they try to get back to their own ship as right. they see the shuttle of Moya leaving, and then they turn around, and there's Dargo with his sword. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I'm not letting you leave.
0: <laughs> and they do that. There's a classic bit where Kreis um, then appears behind Dargo, and... Uh... <laughs> And John and Aaron are like, oh no. Dargo says, oh, I'm not falling for that old one. And Crace is like,
1: yeah, you, yeah, you are. Hello. <laughs> it's like, I'm not falling for that. Whoa, he's right behind and me. <laughs> and
0: yeah, Crace is here and is has come to take them back and is so he restrains Dargo, and is well, you know, he goes to see John. And is like, you killed my brother.
1: It's like, well, I did what now? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it's been a bit of a blur. Who, I ki- who did I kill?
0: And he's able to figure out that it's the near-miss he had in, the, in his module. And he's like, no, that was, that was an accident. He's like, yeah,
1: okay, says Grace. As like, I'm taking you in anyway. Uh, what I like is, like, Aaron is like, no, no, no. He, se- he seems like a stand-up guy. <laughs> How long have you been talking to him? Grace asks. And I like that John actually, John actually senses what's going on, and he covers for us, like, not long.
0: This is again a recurring thing that he's trying to actually help her because he sees someone who has been I think brainwashed by peacekeepers into being this unfeeling person is like, No, I can I can help you.
1: Yeah, don't be like this.
0: Yeah. So he yeah, he covers for her because she actually did help him to escape, even though, you know, it may not have been the right thing to do with regards to everybody else, but she did try and help him get out of there.
1: Yeah, but despite that, Krace is like well, you know that if if you're been exposed to unauthorized alien uh, creatures, that uh, you might be corrupted, uh, we- irreversibly.
0: <laughs> yep, which means which means you know death. Peacekeepers are
1: assholes. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Holy crap! It's like if you talk to an un—it's specifically um, aliens that they don't know, like uh, new yep. new sort of alien contacts. If you talk to them for any length of time. You've been, quote, contaminated and, you know, are
1: therefore useless. You need to be shot. Yeah. taken out behind the barn and shot.
0: Pretty much. So, yeah, all three of them, Dargo, uh, Aaron, and john get taken prisoner. There's this scene in what is very clearly a kind of lot or, like, (laughs) a disused, like, factory or something. But uh, there, there are these two guys in, like, in standard sort of military... Space military uniforms with balaclavas, <laughs> and John is like, Well oh, what?" He, he, he takes the puzzle ring off John that uh, his dad gave him. he's like, "Oh, what's this then?" So, like, "Oh, it's a puzzle. You have to take it apart and figure out how to put it together."
1: It's like, "Oh, combat uh, <laughs> training, a field uh, <laughs> training exercise, or whatever it is." I love that sentence. That says so much about the peacekeepers in one tiny sentence. Like these people think about everything in military terms. Yeah. They have nothing outside of the military.
0: Not at all. So he's like, no, okay, here's what you do, is you start taking them apart. (laughs) The guy does that sort of classic bit of like, oh, yeah, I'll take this apart. I'll follow the instructions of this guy.
1: And I put it back together again. Oh, oh, oh. and the other one's like, no, 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 it's a weapon. come here and they start. <laughs> there's, a, there's a scuffle, and
0: then John is able to take their gun and these then two hold are them off. Idiots. Yeah, these are,
1: these are Metal Gear solid Grey
0: <laughs> Absolutely, it's a good thing Kreis decided to you know, hand them over to his dumbest guards.
1: <laughs> this, is, ladies and gentlemen, the peacekeeper leads right here. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> There's these pair world. of bozos who are like, oh, let's have a look at this thing. <laughs> Not pay attention to the prisoners at all. Nope. Uh, and so, so he basically just uh, forces him to hand over the keys. Uh, I love that there's like, on one hand, he has, he has the gun, so he can't actually open his um, handcuffs himself. So it's like, both Eren and Dargo are like, no, no. Give me the keys. Give me the keys. Give me the keys. You He's can't like, trust them. Unlock me. Unlock me. No,
0: unlock me. <laughs> There's also a great line where he gets hold of the gun which starts firing like little yellow laser bolts. And <laughs> he has to like, freeze or I'll fill you full of little yellow bolts of light. <laughs> I think both Eren and Dargo look at him like, what the hell did you just say? <laughs> Are you an idiot? <laughs> But yeah, eventually, he's able to convince uh, Aaron to come with him, because she wants to go back to the Peacekeepers. She's, you know, you know it's, it's still kind of loyal to them, and but then basically, John basically says to her, like, no, you know you're gonna die if you go back there.
1: And she's like, yeah, but it's, but it's my purpose, it's my mission, it's like, you can be so much more.
0: Yeah. Absolutely, he's, he's just saying, you can be more. You can be better than this. You don't have to be this person that they've made you into. And so through that he's able to convince her to come with him because realistically they're the only chance of survival that she has. So they get back, uh, they take her prowler, uh, her spaceship, back to Moya where Jean and Rigel are waiting for them because they they manage to escape in the shuttle to, and leave Dago behind to take care of uh, Aaron and John. But uh, they get back on Moya and start to make their escape.
1: And suddenly giant spaceship... Uh... Approaches.
0: Yeah, it's Crace's command carrier is is chasing them and and this is when Erin starts to prove her uh, usefulness because they they're being chased and they bring around their they're called frag cannons the peacekeeper weapons and they're being chased at a range of sixty metres is <laughs> is the <laughs> now I'm not sure what the conversion for that is it's either metres which would be too obvious
1: but that's very very that's close like that like that's like. That's way too close. Put on the brakes, and you're slamming into each other at that. Uh... So it
0: may be something like kilometers. It may. Be...
1: I I I'd expect it be something along the lines of millions of meters or something like that. Probably oh, even that would be space is big.
0: They're they're flying around a planet. I think that would be probably a bit too large. I think sixty kilometers is is could, about could what be you something want.
1: Like that. It's very short range weapons. Then, if you only have forty-two kilometer range weapons. Yes,
0: maybe. because Aaron then says. The, they're 60 metres away, and Aaron actually gives information saying that, okay, the range of those cannons is 45 metres.
1: Yeah, so we're she, out of range for now.
0: Yeah, so she's starting to, and is starting to help. And John says, well, why don't we just starburst? That worked so well the first time. But it turns out Moya needs to recharge before Moya can starburst.
1: Why don't we starburst? Well, because plot reasons, we can't.
0: <laughs> <laughs> because it's more dramatic if we have to charge up and can't actually do this. Exactly. <laughs> Which, you know, I'm fine with. It would be a little too easy if they're just like, all right, boom, starburst, gone. Yeah. For this, for this first uh, episode, at least. So, Moya needs to recharge so they can't starburst. Then John has a bright idea. <laughs> Which is, it's a bit of a, if you know there's a trope called Chekhov's boomerang, or Chekhov's skill. It's more appropriately known as Chekhov's gun, which is when you see something in an episode that is given attention, it—it uh, it is going to be useful later.
1: Yeah, we've already seen that happen with the good luck charm his dad gave him. Yeah. Because that's the thing the guards are arguing over
0: uh, Absolutely. in that scene. Yeah, so he... John is like, aha, wait, I have a thing for this. I have, I have a theory. <laughs> and he's like, I need paper. And they're like, what the hell is paper? So he gets a marker pen that he apparently has in his jumpsuit and just starts writing on the floor <laughs> doing some calculations because he's trying to do the exact same slingshot maneuver that he did at the beginning of the show, only with Moya to escape the peacekeepers who are chasing them. And But to do this, they need to actually manually fly the uh, pla- the ship and... Guess who is the only person who can actually fly a ship reasonably well? Aaron. It's Aaron. Yep. because <laughs> so like, they say Dargo, you fly. It's like I'm not a pilot. <laughs> so they all look at Aaron and like it's it's this or die. And she's like, all right, fine. And they come here. They ask Pilot to give her manual control, which for all the world looks like a kind of one of those trackball mouse, mouse. The ones with yeah. the big red ball in the middle of them.
1: It's a weird, it, 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 it seems like a joystick but with an, a necessary um, almost like a sundial attached to it <laughs> that's how I, saw, how I view it so yeah he's and
0: John is giving her you know the information of, like, you need to hit this angle and this degree and go towards the planet and it's it's a very sort of tense sequence of like last time you did this John you got sucked through a wormhole it <laughs> <laughs> didn't end so well yeah and like you haven't actually proven that this works
1: but, of course, because otherwise the show would be incredibly short, they actually succeed.
0: Yep, it works. Everything is fine. They zoom off out of the planet and they are out of range of the Peacekeepers. They're off their senses. And so they're able to take a breather and relax and start plotting their course, which they say they're going towards the Uncharted Territories, which is somewhere where Peacekeepers have no jurisdiction.
1: And... uh as a, a lot thing I, the little thing I like about this is that in celebration uh Zahn gives Crichton a ear kiss
0: yeah this is so this is something I think that didn't make it to air in certain places this wasn't but this is fully intact on the dvDs like uh she comes up to John hugs him and then puts her ear against his and this is kind of weird to a shake and He's sort of like, whoa! What the? Whoa, just, what just happened?
1: And also, like that Dargo's like, almost like, oh! <laughs>
0: it's it's very heavily implied that that was something kind of, you know, kind of sexual or yeah, intimate
1: at the very least. Intimate—that's like, the it, word I was looking yeah. for.
0: <laughs> and uh, everyone is sort of looking at him like, dude, is like, ah, uh, well, what just happened? <laughs> but Still now, out of his
1: what? Out of his element.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. So now we get a bit of a breather from all this action and John is able to kind of try and settle in. And we get some shots of just, just the hallways of Moya. And actually something I wanted to talk about was as well as the uh, creature design and the makeup the set design for Moya is really good.
1: It's beautiful. It's this sort of Pretty ship.
0: brown but like bronze kind of coloured uh, walls and like shiny floors. Because I don't know if we mentioned this earlier, but Moya is a living ship.
1: Yeah. Moya is alive. It's 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 a creature. A leviathan, they call it, I think.
0: Yes. And they kind of they look like more kind of organic shapes and not like a rectangular corridor or exactly. know, just circular. They're kind of an odd shape of like a, kind a... of blood
1: vessel almost.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's that kind of design, which is really nice. And the doors in them, the doors in the corridors kind of operate... They sort of swing out from like a point about a third of the way al- along them, which makes them look kind of like valves. R- oh yeah, rather than you know just a normal door.
1: Yeah, I I remember seeing the doors like that, but I hadn't figure realized them being valves. That's a nice nice detail.
0: Yeah, there's there's a ton of really great details in this, and so we see shots of people of of the crew uh, you know settling down. You see Dargo has. His sword, which he is sort of shining, and then we see Jean is meditating, naked, naked. We see it from the from the, her back, she's entirely blue, like this makeup job they did on uh, her actress, is uh, Virginia Hay. It's just it, it's entire like full body blue paint, and it's it's a hell of a job they did. That must have been a, I mean. The makeup for makeup process for that must have taken forever. Oh, like man, when you see her in close-ups, like the detail on like the little bits, she's not just blue. Like she hasn't just been. It's not like a blue man group. There's all kinds of <laughs> detailing around her eyes of like little scale-looking things, and it has different colored contacts. And oh, there's just an amazing makeup job they did.
1: I mean, it, it looks clearly human. She looks clearly humanoid, but.
0: Very alien.
1: Very far from what humans look like.
0: And then we have John is assaulted by Dargo as he's walking through the corridors because Dargo is like, I still don't really trust you. <laughs> it's like, I don't know who you are, where you came from, or where your allegiances are. I don't trust you, and if you try and threaten my freedom, I'll kill you. And John's he- <laughs>
1: friend's like, Okay, okay. And Dargo, to prove his point, uses a sword that is surprisingly blunt. Holy crap, that point is blunt. It's like, I'm like, if... It's more <laughs> I mean, of a it's just,
0: clobbering weapon at this I point. I was gonna
1: say, it's like that point, you put that point of the sword up against his throat, and it's like, that would give you, at worst, a nasty bruise. Like, that. That, that that's not gonna cut anything.
0: That's probably why Dargo was, you know, Polishing it, or maybe he was like using a whetstone kind
1: of thing, because <laughs> it it may need sharpening after <laughs> having... I was gonna say it looks like it, it. That's what I. I mean, it might be just just a slashing weapon, maybe. But him just using the point as a threat instead of the blade. I'm like, come on. Well, you, well, in that
0: in that exchange between him and Crichton, you find out that he's been on Moya or been imprisoned for eight cycles, so eight years. So, it's possible that his sword has been in storage for eight years and has kind of gone a bit dull.
1: Okay, yeah, that would make sense.
0: So, maybe he needs to, you know, shine it up a bit. <laughs> this scene then goes into one of John trying to get his stuff together and is talking to Aaron, who says that, you know, Luxans are a very angry race. And <laughs> don't cross them. Very indiscriminate in their um, application of force and stuff like that.
1: And he retorts with, oh. And your species is different? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, oh, oh
0: bird. Oh, shots oh, fired, shots oh, fired. <laughs> but Aaron warns John that you're not safe. We may be in uncharted territories where peacekeepers have no jurisdiction, but Grace thinks you killed his brother. Would you, if she says to him, you know, if you were in his position, would you uh, obey jurisdiction? He doesn't say anything, but he's clearly like, right. Yeah, he's coming to get me. Then, yeah, it's kind of a solemn shot of John who has a tape recorder and he's starting
1: to record some messages to his dad about what's
0: happening here.
1: I like he's like, I mean, you're never going to get this, (laughs) but I still want to tell you what's going on.
0: It's a nice device because it allows him to narrate what's been happening and, you know, how he's feeling and gives us kind of an insight into that without just being without just being say like narration over the top of the show
1: yeah it it allows him to also add some character to those recordings
0: yeah it's a way of it also seems to be quite clearly a way of coping with what's going on uh-huh
1: <laughs> very clearly a way of coping yeah it's it's almost like as long as he can record he still feels like he has a connection back home even if they'll probably never hear this recording it feels like they're still there
0: and as he's recording this he's actually fixing up the little robot that uh, br- that he <laughs> injected off the canopy of his <laughs> module earlier because his eye stalk got broken and but i like that because it shows that he's uh integrating into the crew of moya he's you know participating yeah after you know helping to save their lives and he's now fixing up a they're called drds kind of slowly becoming part of the crew
1: I like how it really sets this episode up as it ends, being like this series, like okay, this is Powder Keg. These people don't all like each other at all.
0: Yep, he says in his uh, message to his dad that there's life out here, uh, amazing, psychotic life.
1: I think <laughs> is the line. Like this is, this is not a nice place. This is not what I would have expected first contact to be.
0: And there it ends. We pull back out, and there's a shot of Moya. A nice CG shot of Moya going over what appears to be some kind of... either galactic disc or planetary disc or something like that. And there you go, then we have the end credits. And that's episode one of Farscape.
1: It's, um... It feels a bit crowded, the first episode.
0: I mean, they've got a lot of exposition to do. I
1: I mean, yeah, totally. It's pretty impressive what they push into 45 minutes. But it feels like this used to be a longer episode... Like a yeah. longer pilot, and they had to cut pieces out to make it function in its planned time slot. That's yeah. what it feels to me.
0: It does feel kind of—I don't want to say rushed, but it does feel like, like you said, very hectic and very. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot to take in with this episode. Even just you know recording this and trying to get across what's happening. There's so much going on. They're like, oh wait, you know, we're expl- we have to explain this thing and this thing and this. And
1: we cut to this and then to that, and we go back there. Oh, yeah. there's also this thing.
0: I mean, in in another. Type of show, it could very easily, the pilot could very easily have been much more on Earth. It could have been like the first half of the show, or the first half of the episode rather than the first 10 minutes, <laughs> even could have been on Earth with, you know, setting up Crichton's backstory. And then, and then maybe even like most of the episode could have been that. And then at the end, he gets shot through a wormhole and then it meets aliens and then cliffhanger. I
1: I'm glad they didn't do I, that.
0: I, I'm, I am also glad they did not.
1: Because that's I mean, that's not what you watch the show for. That's not the interesting part. Absolutely. I always hate it when any form of media, book, game, movie, just series starts with, okay, the first half of this is just going to be set up, and then halfway, we'll get to the good stuff. It's like, no, get to the good stuff. Skip all the... If, yeah. if you're admitting that the first part is boring, don't show that. Go straight to the good stuff.
0: And that's exactly what they do, they just dive in, they just go straight into the deep end of like Yep. Okay, here's a few things you need to know. Here's Earth, here's something familiar, here's you know, John Crichton, he's an astronaut, he's doing this thing, okay, boom. Aliens, you know, living ships, <laughs> space fighters, all this kind of stuff. It's like, Whoa, okay. Alright, we're not starting off slow
1: here. Nope.
0: <laughs> but yeah, I think as pilot episodes go, like you said, it's very it's kind of a lot to take in dense is a good word.
1: Yeah, dense is a very good word. It's very dense.
0: But it does have actually a strong uh, narrative going through it, so you are able to follow what's going on.
1: So I'm hoping that they can dial back the density a oh. bit.
0: I have bad news. <laughs> uh Uh-oh. there's There's hectic and kind of crazy is probably the best way to describe Farscape in general. There are okay. a few episodes that are kind of a bit slower, but it starts off Crazy and only gets crazier, <laughs> and that's kind of the appeal of it because it it doesn't really do a whole lot of the slow plodding philosophical stuff. It's like, nope, we're well, going full ham
1: with this. Nice. There's one other thing before we uh, wrap this up. Is it something maybe you also noticed? I think the sh- I found that some of the shots were were shot in very weird angles.
0: Oh yeah, there's some kind of forgive the expression, Dutch angles. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. Hey, it's a, it's a thing. <laughs> it's, I know, but hey. Like being shot from, like, underneath, pointing up, and um, at sort of a, a skew, or like a couple of degrees, rotated.
1: It's not my favorite type.
0: I think part of it, certainly in later episodes, because I know, I remember this from certain things, in that that actually adds to the weirdness and, you know, mm. of of the of the episode, but... In this ep- in this episode, it wasn't necess- it wasn't strictly necessary, and they're still feeling things out. You know, it's only episode one. Yep. And we'll see where it goes from there. But yeah, I thought overall that was a pretty strong pilot episode.
1: Definitely pre- premiere. Do we do we want to rate these episodes? I give it
0: mm, no. I, I can't put. I'm very bad at that. I don't. <laughs> Fine. Give, I'll
1: do it. A seven. Seven out of. I'll gladly do Out that. of ten. Yeah, out of 10. Yeah, I think it's like, about it's, right. It's, it's a good start. Um, nothing that blows me away, but nothing that actually, I mean, I have any problems with. Yeah. So I think it's a good benchmark. It's like, this is a good, decent episode. Yeah. Well, here it we can are. Can be better, can be worse.
0: Yeah, here we are. FarscapeWorld.com uh, has an average score for each episode, and they Ooh. give, their scores are out of five. And this, ah. and Premiere got uh, 3.36. So that's, I think
1: as kind of equivalent. It's about the same. I might need to switch my rating system.
0: Okay. <laughs> no, it's fine. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's a pretty strong pilot and really gets you, really drops you into the deep end.
1: Yeah. Okay. Here's aliens. Go.
0: Yeah, that's, I think that that about wraps things up and oh, there's a lot to love about the practical effects and the creature work and all of the set design and oh, that that's what really stands out from this first episode. Like, they really yeah. show all of that off because... They have their, the scene on the Commerce Planet, which has a bunch of aliens just in the background, and you have that huge puppet that uh, is the merchant that Rigel is talking with. And
1: it's, It looked great. Yeah, they're really, really show- well
0: showing off what the Jim Henson company can do.
1: <laughs> Money well spent. Yep.
0: So, yeah, that was, that was episode one of the Farscape Rewatch. Up next on the list, it is IET...
1: I love this episode. It's one of the the few episodes I've actually seen in the series.
0: Just to give you a bit of a wet your appetite, a peacekeeper beacon goes off, and Moya has to land on an alien planet. And some things happen. (laughs) But
1: we'll we'll get to that next week.
0: (laughs) We will, indeed. And yeah, until next time, I have been Can't Wear Hats, and joining me has been... Red Nightmare and this was the Fast Get Rewatch podcast. We hope you liked it. This is something new that uh, we're trying out and in fact was brought about by the Can't Wear Hats Patreon by viewers like you. <laughs> there was a tier on that which was offline or rather non-live content because I do a whole bunch of streaming and stuff on my Twitch channel but I wanted to start making stuff that was not streaming. and This was the first thing out of the bag of mystery
1: <laughs> or mystery box or whatever you want to call it. You looked into the bag and there was like a DVD, uh, it was a was DVD like a... box for escape. And me was like, perfect. Well. That'll do.
0: <laughs> so yeah, we're trying this out and we'll see how it goes and we hope you like it. And if you do, uh, let us know Just send me a tweet. I am at Twitter on at can't wear hats and red nightmare. Your
1: Twitter is, uh, at Falcon entry, V E D A L K E N. Adult in- entry. Dolphin you go. Dolphin Injury. And
0: we will be bringing you many more of these. There's, there's 88 episodes of this, so we're going to be we're here gonna, for a, a little while. We're going to do them all. <laughs> yes. But, yeah, that's it from us today, and we will see you again next week for IET. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. Bye.